We'll be turning over this morning. I don't have my lapel mic on, so I hope this one picks up good uh, this morning. But uh, uh, going to be turning over to the uh, 13th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, over the last uh, three, four months, four, five months, uh, we've been going through the book of Romans and uh, started around the fifth chapter and have made our way up to chapter 13. And uh, for me, it's been it's been interesting and exciting. I hope it has been for you. Uh, I was having a conversation with a young man this week about uh, about preaching and uh, delivering things to a congregation, and I'm, I just made the the point to him. I said, you know, there's one thing great about going through a book of the Bible. I said, I love I've loved over the years doing subject preaching and taking particular subjects and bringing them forth in a uh, a better way to the people, I said. But there's one thing about going through a, a, a book of the Bible. We were discussing going through the book of Ephesians, which I have not been doing. But I said, you know, if you're going through the book of Ephesians, I said, hey, I said, you're you're just simply traversing through a book. You go through three chapters, uh, the first three chapters of the book. And I said, man, it's all about uh, salvation and election and what God has done by his grace for his people. I said, but then you get over to chapter four and I said, it begins to talk about what your responsibility is, uh, that you're to put off the old man and to put on the new man. I said, you get over to chapter five, it begins to talk about uh, uh, husbands and wives and how they're to love one another. And then I said, chapter six finishes up with putting on the whole armor of God. And I said, I said, you know, you can get a lot of information out to people about things they need to be doing in chapters four, five, and six. And I said, without it seeming like it's so pointed toward them, because all you've done is preach through a book of the Bible uh, that the Apostle Paul and the same letter that he gave to the church at Ephesus years ago. So I told that story uh, to say, we've been going through the book of Romans. I said, the first uh, however many sermons we preached up through the up through the eleventh chapter of the book of Romans uh, was all about what God has done for us uh, and kind of how we uh, see that, how He justified us and how He uh, predestinated us and how uh, He chose a people both of the Jews and the Gentiles uh, and how He grafted in the uh, uh, the Gentiles into that the wild olive branches into that olive tree. I said, but then you get to chapter 12 and it begins to talk about, you know, uh, for us not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I said, so it begins to talk about all this stuff about what we're supposed to be doing. Last, uh, two weeks ago, the last time I was preaching here, uh, we started into the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. And I told, uh, I told you then here at the time, I thought the, uh, you know, the uh, providence of God the, the timing of God, considering I started this series of sermons back the 1st of September, had no idea that I would end up uh, at the uh, 13th chapter of the book of Romans right after uh, thing, decisions were being made in the uh, about uh, about our election and so forth on January 6th, and that I would get to that point right in, in to Romans 13, right after all of that stuff occurred, riots occurred, all that stuff's going on. And I get to the 13th chapter of the book of Romans and suddenly uh, it talks about not only have we talked about in, in 12 about what our responsibility is, how we're to take the gifts that God has given us and use them for his glory uh, in the end of chapter 12, uh, how that we're not to take vengeance 
uh, vengeance is God's. Uh, then we get to this 13th chapter, and I'm going to just read, uh, starting with the first verse, uh, but not a lot of emphasis on, on verses 1 through 7 and 8, because that's what we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, so in 13th chapter, suddenly after he's gone talking about our personal responsibility, how we're to use our gifts, uh, how God has given gifts to everyone, every one of us, has a different gift, and all of us are to use our gifts uh, uh, for the glory of, of God and also for the strength of the body here of the church. That's what, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what gift you've got. God has given you that gift so that you can be a blessing to this body. Uh, and he relates that like having body parts, you know, that every part of the body is so important, but, and, but every part of it plays a different role. And so uh, as, we, as we get into the 13th chapter, he then begins to talk about uh, a, what I called uh, two weeks ago a Christian's responsibility to government uh, and to, the, uh, to the, uh, the rulers that are over them. And so in the uh, uh, verse first, he says, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there's no power but of God and the powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, <coughs> resisteth the ordinance of God, they that resist shall receive a, receive to themselves damnation, and that just means condemnation uh, is, is the word under consideration there. For rulers are not a terror to good works. Uh, and, I, and I made this, uh, I tried to make sure I couched this two weeks ago to understand, you know, sometimes uh, rulers can be a terror to good works. Uh, but the purpose of rulers, God instituted civil government uh, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, when they went over to Mount Sinai, not only did he give them the law, but he also gave them laws for governing, governing themselves, how they were to conduct themselves among one another. Uh, there and how if somebody offended somebody, somebody accidentally uh, killed uh, one of the, somebody else's animal, or you know whatever, how, how they were to take care of that, how they were to repay one. Of, so God instituted what we would call today civil government, how they were to rule over one another, and uh, and uh, uh, how they were you know not only did you have the basic commandments of you know thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, and so forth, but he also then gave how they were to work out other areas between them. So civil government was established by God, and so as he goes through this thirteenth chapter, Paul is hearkening back, I think, to that and saying, "Listen, church at Rome," and I think this is pertinent to us today. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the apostle Paul lived under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is not a, a, a Jehovah God-loving empire. Uh, they, in fact, believed that Caesar was God himself and required everybody to uh, pay homage to him uh, and other gods that were out there. But one thing they did not like was new religions. Uh, they would tolerate religions in the land to a point, to, in the lands that they conquered. Uh, but, in the, uh, but when something new came up, they were really against that. This is the setting that the Apostle Paul and Jesus Christ and the other apostles launched the New Testament church in a, in a hostile government environment. And we could go back and, and even look at Jesus himself, how Jesus submitted himself to the rule of the authorities that were in, in, uh, in place uh, in, uh, in, the, uh, in uh, Jerusalem in that day. In fact, one of the things that we noted here a couple of, a couple of weeks ago was that... Uh, Pilate, in part of his discussion with Jesus the night before he was uh, crucified, 
Pilate looks at Jesus and says, do you not know I have the power to put you to death? Jesus looks back at him and says, you'd have no power except it's given to you by my Father. Now, so you begin to understand uh, Jesus himself submitted himself not only to the uh, to the Sanhedrin and to the and to the priests, and we know there was a greater purpose going on there. I don't want us to lose fact. Uh, he knew where he was going. He knew what he was doing. He knew that his sacri- sacrifice and his death was for our salvation. Okay, but in doing that, he also submitted himself to the laws and the authorities of the land at that time that were there. Paul submitted himself to the laws and the authorities. He appealed his very case when they were uh, <clears throat> when they were after him about preaching the resurrection and uh, that it was blasphemy and so forth. He appealed his case to Caesar himself. Uh, in fact, on one occasion, uh, it was it was noted that he would he could have been he would have been released if he hadn't already been appealed his case to Caesar. God was working in all of that that he for the furtherance of the gospel that he might go to Rome that he might preach there that he might touch the many people that were had come into the uh, Rome that were uh, captured from other areas of the, of the world and in fact one of the uh, one of the stories I love to read about uh, a church history uh, is how part of the people that were there at Rome at the time uh, possibly hearing the Apostle Paul were some people from England uh, whose name Names are given. Uh, they were what what Rome would do is a lot of times like the Babylonians would do. They would take the children of the leaders of the various places that they that they captured and bring them back to Rome. Uh, uh, well, there's ev- there's some evidence that some of the uh, authorities and leaders in Wales, uh, the part of England that uh, sits down on the south west corner, I guess, of England, uh, that they were there at Rome and they carried helped carry some of the early teachings of Paul back to the island of England. And that's part of how the church began to get spread in that area. So anyway, Paul Paul recognized that God is often working things behind the scenes that you and I have no clue about. <laughs> and so so uh, what, what, what we're to do in our service to him is submit ourselves to him, worship him, recognize that God is still in control uh, and that uh, he knows things that we don't know uh, uh, and is <coughs> and is working things <coughs> uh, behind the scenes that we don't have any clue about. So anyway, he says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, uh, but, to the, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? So he says, when government's doing and acting as it should act, they're a, they're a terror to evil, not to good works. And so you don't have to be afraid of the power uh, uh, of the government and what they can do. And he says, will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. As I said, Paul is telling them you go into your community in your community church at Rome. Do good, be a be a purveyor of good. Uh, obey the rulers that are over you and respect those that have authority over you, uh, uh, because rulers are to be a terror to evil, not to good. And so you just conduct yourself good <coughs> in your community. That's good advice for God's church today. Uh, uh, we see in the in the land, not only in America but across the world, uh, uh, getting more ungodly all the time. Things are being condoned. Uh, uh, 
orders are being written to accept things uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, are totally against what God's Word teaches. Uh, uh, but my friends, you're, the power that you and I have uh, is not in our government and not in our leaders. Uh, our power is in the authority that comes from God's throne, okay? And so what, what we're to do is continue to serve Him, pray, and work and labor and do that which is good. For He says, for He, talking about the rulers now, he is a minister of God. Now, that does not mean uh, that he's a preacher uh, or an ordained uh, minister like we think about that today. Uh, uh, but he has a ministry, rulers that are placed in authority uh, uh, by the power of God. And yes, we looked at scriptures last week that says God raises them up. God takes them down. Uh, we went over to the book of Daniel and saw how uh, when uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, began to thought, you know, flaunt about how powerful he was and look at all this great power that he had gotten, God warned him on one occasion, first of all, uh, don't be bragging about what you've got because the reason you're in place is because of me. I raised you up that you might bring judgment on the children of Israel uh, and take them into captivity. Uh, so you're, you're there because of me and uh, don't be talking like that. Well, he went back about a year later and began to brag about, look at all this great uh, uh, kingdom that I've got. And the Bible tells us uh, <clears throat> that uh, and immediately his mind was removed from him. And for the next seven years, he conducted himself like an animal. His hair grew long. His fingernails grew long. He ate, he grazed and ate grass like an animal until the time came when the uh, seven years were up uh, and that he confessed uh, uh, that uh, <clears throat> all power was of God. And so uh, he tells us here uh, that uh, he, talking about the, the rulers, uh, he is a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath <clears throat> upon him that doeth evil. So now he's basically telling you what the purpose of the rulers is. They are to execute wrath on people that do evil. Is it possible, just like anything else, and that's what we, we kind of just throw this in there to, to remind you of this, uh, is the fact, is it possible that, e that leaders sometimes do that which is evil instead of what their, their God-ordained responsibility is? And the answer is yes. Uh, and so uh, he says, uh, but their, their purpose is that they're to execute wrath upon evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. We're, we are subject to the laws and authorities of the land, not only so that we don't have punishment put on us, but also so that we have the, for our conscience sake, that says, you know what, when you're serving and doing what is right, it's right. It's good. It's a, it's a good answer of a good conscience uh, toward God and toward you. Now, uh, we did mention this last, uh, two weeks ago, and so I'll put this back out again before we proceed forward. Uh, there's what I would call the, uh, the exception clause, and the exception clause in just, uh, 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 I'll say blindly, maybe that's the right word, but uh, obedience to the laws of the land. Uh, we find two exception or an exception, two examples of an exception clause that we look back over in the scripture, and one of those is where uh, John and John and Peter were told by the authorities in their day in the Book of Acts that they were no longer to preach in the name of this Jesus. <laughs> you know, you're you're not supposed to do that anymore. And and uh, they responded to him, "Well, is it better to obey man than obey God?" 
uh, you decide. And so they they just press forward. They just press forward with serving serving God and not obeying uh, that. And so I, I think part of that we go back over uh, the children, the uh, the Hebrew children. If we look back over in the book of Daniel, uh, the Hebrew children uh, were told that they were to bow down to the to the false god Dagon, I believe it was over there that they had built the statue to in that day. Uh, they were to bow down to him. Uh, they said no. And they said, well, you're going to be cast into a fiery furnace. And they said, you may cast us into the fiery furnace and we may perish there, but there's one thing for sure. Uh, we're not going to bow down to you and we know our God can deliver us out of that fiery furnace. Also, you find the same example in the book of Daniel who was told that there was no one that he could pray to except their designated God. Daniel continued to go to his house just as he's always done and prayed three times a day. And the Bible records for us that he didn't go in and close the windows and close the doors and hide. He did just like he'd always done. He left the windows open, the doors open. If anybody wanted to know, he was there praying to his God. Uh, and so he didn't stop praying to his God. Uh, John and, John and uh, Peter didn't stop preaching in the name of their God just because the law had said so. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, today uh, uh, there are, there are un, what I would call ungodly laws on the book. But you and I are demanded to follow that law. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Brother Charles? Well, it's, on the, it's a law uh, today that, uh, you know, you can have an abortion. But you're not required to have an abortion. Uh, now, if the time comes, whew, if, if the time comes like China, where they say, you can only have one child. And it's got to, and if it's not a male child or not a female child or whatever the case was over there, I don't remember all that. You know, they get to telling you what you can do along those lines. Tell you, we've got a problem when it comes to following after what God's word says versus what the government is saying. And so there, there's exceptions, I guess, to when you say, well, just follow the law of the land. Uh, uh, yes, as long as the law of the land is not require, requiring you to do things that are ungodly by the word of God, <clears throat> you know. If they, if they come up with the law, if they, you know, in a way you could say this in a sense, but anyway about abortion, but anyway that's another another issue I guess to go down. But you know, right now the law doesn't require us to murder somebody. Okay, uh, that would be a big no-no if they said, oh, you've got to go murder your neighbor. Well, okay, I can't do that. Sorry, you'll have to lock me up for that one. Uh, but he, so he's telling us here, uh, <clears throat> wherefore you must needs be subject not only for wrath. You're not. You're to be subject to the laws of the land, not just because you're afraid of. I'm gonna go to jail, but because it's conscience. It's the right thing to do. Uh, so he says, "For this cause, pay ye tribute, for for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing." What he's basically telling you here is that uh, when, uh, the fact that the government and the rulers of the government are ministers for. For doing, uh, you know, judging that which is evil, uh, executing judgment on that that's evil, and and the praise of those that do good. Because of that, uh, taxes are often paid. Because the government has to be supported <laughs> some way, somehow. Uh, you know, we go back to the days of Jesus. They were that was the question they had uh, in the twenty second chapter of the book of Matthew. You go back over there and read about verse seventeen down through twenty three or so. Uh, you go back over there and they came to him and said, uh, uh, "You know, should we be paying tribute to Caesar?" He says, "Bring me a coin." <laughs> well, they brought him a coin. He says, "Whose image is on the coin?" They said, "Caesar's." He said, 
Therefore, render unto Caesar those things that are Caesar, and unto God those things that are God. So he he set Jesus set the example that uh, yeah, are we to pay taxes? Yes, we're to pay taxes, uh, and so forth. And so he says, uh, render there for <coughs> for this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing, and the very thing is the uh, the execution of judgment of right and wrong and punishment of evil and so forth. So pay tribute. Uh, do those things. We Today, you know, of course, you got taxes for all kinds of things today, uh, but you think about uh, the fact that uh, back during the Roman Empire days, uh, they built roads uh, in the Roman Empire. I mean, some of the greatest roads, the fact that a lot of people today uh, that look back on some of that say, you know, one of the blessings of the fact that Jesus Christ came during the time of the Roman Empire was the fact that Rome was building roads. All roads lead to Rome, right? You know, they were building stone roads and so forth. They had all these viaducts that they built for carrying water to various cities. And transportation and the ability to get around was right at the prime time for getting the gospel spread. You know, isn't that amazing how that just happened to work like that? That God brought the, all this thing on the scene about the time the gospel could be spread the most easily probably of any time in history up until that point. So uh, that people paid taxes for those kind of things. We pay taxes today. We, As a result of that, we have, uh, you know, water and uh, we, you know, we still pay for the water. But anyway, you, you pay for city services and government services and roads and highways and bridges and all that stuff. He says, pay tribute uh, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Uh, that, that's a general statement. I'll just say this real quickly. It's a general statement about paying your debts. Uh, you owe somebody something, pay it to them. Uh, there's a time, my friends, when, uh, uh, you know, if you were a member of a church in, in good standing, uh, in fact, there's probably a time where probably things went way too far, but, uh, but you know, part of a church member's responsibility was say, you know, I, I owe a debt, and I not only owe that debt and need to pay that, but it, it reflects on my name and it reflects on the church that I go to as to whether or not I'm I'm obeying the law and paying the debts that I do. Well, where do they? Where did people get all those ideas that we used to? We look back on now and say, well, you know, used to people could do business with a handshake, right? Well, you know why? Because people believe stuff like this, right? They actually believe that that's how you were supposed to live, and I do too today. Uh, why? Because God's word says that. He says, therefore, render render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute, uh, <coughs> custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Boy, I tell you what, isn't it? Wouldn't we all be better off if we learned? How, and and there's there's a sense of honorarium. The word honor and honorarium is paying a tribute to somebody. Okay, but in the in a general sense, also, if you take this away from the payment side of it. We, we ought to honor those that are in positions and places of power and authority that are due honor. Why? Because they're due honor. <laughs> honor to whom honor? <laughs> you ought to honor. You know, we don't have to always agree and like everything that's going on, but we honor the position and authority and the place that the person has. And so uh, it's the same way, you know, uh, you know, go back to schools. Everybody don't like the principal at school, but you know what? He's got a place of honor and a place of responsibility. So you honor him, uh, students, kids, parents you're to honor him because uh, he's got a place with, now he's responsible 
for, for conducting himself right according to those that have put him in that place of honor. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. If, uh, if God, my friends, has raised up certain leaders uh, and put them in place, uh, uh, we're to honor them. They're accountable to the one that has, that has them there, right? Uh, and so uh, it's kind of like uh, thinking about in a, in, uh, in a marriage, uh, Husbands and wives. Uh, uh, wives are to honor the husband. That's what the Bible says. Uh, husbands are to love the wives. Uh, you know who the husband's responsible to? He's responsible to his head, <laughs> which is Christ, uh, which is God. Uh, and God will hold him accountable uh, for how he conducts himself uh, in that marriage and in that, uh, in that uh, relationship uh, He's responsible to God. Okay, so you, you, you take that and apply all that. That works in government too, okay? So he tells us, Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Then he gives you the debt that you and I will never get paid off. Owe no man anything but to love one another. <clears throat> For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Uh, there's one. There's one debt you and I will never, never pay off. We we pay tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, debt to whom debt. But there's one debt to you and I. He says there's one debt. To owe no man anything. What what one debt will you continue to owe a person to love them? Even when, even when it doesn't seem possible, uh, he says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Love, the, love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, uh, all these things. Uh, uh, the apostle uh, Jesus told his apostles on the last night. He, he said, A new commandment I give unto you. <laughs> he says, Love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> and so Paul gets over here and says, uh, Owe no man anything but to love one another. That's a debt that will just go on and on and on and on. And so he says, uh, uh, it, he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now, verse 9. So you thought I wouldn't get there, but we got past uh, where we were two weeks ago. And he says, uh, for this thou shalt... Uh, okay, so now but go back and think about verse 8, what it says. Uh, no man, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, what? Because you love one another. Because we are to love one another. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Why? Because you're to love one another. Uh, husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Uh, love your neighbors. Uh, you won't go around with your neighbor and your neighbor's wife and so forth and so on or somebody you don't know. Uh, uh, you'll not commit adultery uh, if you love one another. Uh, for this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, and again, of course, I think that's talking about uh, uh, murder and so forth. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, uh, today, uh, uh, if you love your neighbor, you won't go down and uh, stick a gun in his face at the local uh, 7-Eleven and try to rob him. Why? Because he's just trying to earn a living like uh, uh, like other folks. Uh, he's not... Uh, uh, he uh, So if you love him, you don't go down there and steal from him. You don't stick a gun in his face and you don't shoot him. Uh, you don't run around with his wife and you don't uh, uh, covet what he's got. Uh, so he says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. 
Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You know, today, uh, uh, one thing that we could work on <clears throat> more and more and more. Think about this, how we love one another. We've preached about, we've preached about that over the last number of years here in various other uh, subjects and things that we've talked about. But if, if love is the fulfilling of the law, then you think about how we conduct ourselves. Just start with the basics, okay? Go to your family. Start with your husband and your wife and your children and your in-laws and, and so forth. And think about, the Bible says the fulfilling of the law is to love one another. Now, I want you to get the idea. I don't want you to get the idea uh, uh, that this is some kind of, well, uh, I love them. I did, I did this, 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 so I love them. Uh, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about loving them even when it doesn't seem like it's possible to love one another. So he says, uh, He that knoweth uh, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And, and that, and that, knowing that love is the fulfilling of the law, and that, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now this is not talking about, I think, the, uh, the second coming or so forth and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's talking about the fact, you think about who this letter is written to originally. Uh, and of course it's written to us too uh, in the New Testament. But you know what? If you've been around and Paul was writing to a church, Jews and Gentiles, we've already talked about, we'll get into this next chapter in chapter 14, we'll get into an, a continuing part of that uh, dance, I guess if you want to call it, that the Jews and the Gentiles were having there trying to figure out how do they, what do they do and how do they worship God and how does this New Testament thing work in here and, and so forth and, and, and things that they were continuing to do. But you think about it, Paul has written to them. He's laid out uh, all of these doctrinal issues and things that they should know about how God loves them. And now he's been going through two chapters of talking about how they're to conduct themselves, how do they conduct themselves in, in, uh, in the church and they use their gifts and how they're to conduct themselves in serving their government and how that uh, love is the fulfilling of the law. And so as he does this, he says, you know what? Knowing all this, it's time for y'all to wake up. It's, it's, it's time. You know, he uses that phrase high time. I've tried to read some of that. I, I don't think there's as much into that as people have tried to make some of, in some sermons that have been preached over the years. I just think it was Paul's way of saying, it's time to get going. Uh, you know, if you think about high noon, you know, it, it, the day is here. It's not, it's not morning time anymore, and it's not dust time. It's high time. <laughs> it's like the peak of the day. Uh, it's time for y'all to get up. It's, time, it's not time to be sleeping and laying around. And I would say that to us as a church, you know. You are not ignorant here at this church about what God has taught us in His Word. Uh, I, you know, this would sound like, a, you know, you pat yourself on the back. You know, between the preaching that has been done here in whatever period of time, you have been well taught what God has done for you. You have been well taught about what you ought to be doing as a result of what God has done for you and how we're to serve Him and how we're to love one another and how we're to love our neighbor and how we're to love our children and love our... You know, well, you've been taught all of this, 
right? And so uh, it's time, he says. Uh, it's, uh, that's what he was saying to the church at Rome, and that's what I would say to us here. He says, knowing the time, that now it's high time to wake out of the sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we... You know more about what God has done for you and the salvation that He's given us. You know more about it now than you did five years ago. And you know more about it than you did ten years ago. And you know more about it than you have in the span of your lifetime, whatever it was. It's time to get going, He says. Your salvation is nearer than when you believe. The night is far spent. The night's gone. The night, the, the time of living in darkness is gone. The time when you can say, well, I, I couldn't see, I can't see that. Yes, you can. It's time to open your eyes and say, I see it. I see what God's word is telling me. The night's far spent. We're not in darkness anymore. You think about that church there at Rome. You had pagans coming out of a total Total darkness, if you want to call it. Uh, people coming out of a false god worship. You've got Jews that were there that had been uh, worshiping God, but not with the light that they needed. He says the, the darkness is gone. The, it, the sun is shining now. Jesus Christ has shined His light upon us. It's, it's time for you to see that the sun's out. Uh, it's time. Uh, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now, you know, you can't, you can't, I can't do this without, you know, meticulously preaching through this book. I can't come across the scripture like that without saying, okay, time to turn over to Ephesians 6, okay? Because if it's time to put on the armor of light, and you think about this, I, I want you to think about this with me for just a minute. You know, there's a lot of themes of what Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote. If you go, you go and read the book of Colossians or the book of Ephesians, or the book, uh, or, or the book of Romans. Okay, there's a there's kind of this theme of things. When Paul gets to a certain point in each letter, uh, in Ephesians and Colossians, he both uses the expression and terminology of "put off the old man and put on the new man." And then what he's talking about is the uh, the works of darkness. Uh, the natural man that we're the, the works that we do by our nature, the lying, the sinning, and so forth that comes by our, that comes to us by our nature, our natural man. He says, cast them off and put on the spiritual man. Start living like the spiritual man that God has made you by the new birth. Start living and walking and doing in, in that. Paul comes here in this Roman letter and puts it this way: the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting. Boy, would that be, you know, we could, we could preach that today, right? He, he's not only the rioting that, if you think about rioting that went on in Washington or whatever the other day, not in rioting, but he's also talking about riotous living. That's, that's the expression that's actually in at, at mind here. Going out and living a riotous, going out... He said, well, Charles, what do you mean by that? Okay, let's, we'll shuck it down here for a minute in the southern style. We'll say, uh, uh, riotous living. Don't be going out to all the honky-tonks and bars and every place where you go to get in trouble. That's riotous living. 
that people were out there doing. Uh, he says, walk honestly in the day, not in writing and in drunkenness, uh, not in chambering. Do I need to explain chambering to you? Uh, uh, they talk, uh, let's, uh, let's use an old-timey word. Uh, a chambermaid, uh, a person uh, who comes into someone uh, in, uh, in the facility... <laughs> And uh, I guess comforts them uh, in the chamber, in the bedchamber. Uh, so he says, not in chambering. Okay? <clears throat> Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, uh, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Again, you could go to Ephesians chapter 4. You'd read almost the same type of description. Uh, I might not get the chapter right in Colossians, but if you go to the book of Colossians, you're going to find the same thing. Putting off the old man and the walks of the old man and putting on the new man. Now let's turn over to Hebrews because I said this. He says, let us put on the armor of light. So let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 real quickly uh, and see here as the Apostle Paul is writing to this uh, a church at Ephesus as he gets toward the end of this letter. Uh, and the Roman letter is much longer than the Ephesian letter, but uh, uh, he tells us this. Finally, my brethren, verse 10. <coughs> uh, I'm not going to read the uh, entire sixth chapter for you either. So he says, uh, I'll say, go home and read the, six, uh, the entire book of Ephesians. It wouldn't take you too long to do that. Uh, he says, uh, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, last week on our Bible study, we talked about, here a little bit, we talked about uh, some about this book that I've been reading. If uh, there are those out there that hear this, well, I'll just say uh, there's a book by the, name of the, by the name of The Unseen Realm by a fellow by the name of Michael Heiser. Very interesting book. I don't uh, advocate everything that he brings out in there, but it does open a little bit of light into looking at behind the scenes of what I call the uh, spiritual world uh, and what's going on out there that a lot of times we don't think about. Paul addresses some of this right here in the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Uh, he says, For put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Uh, that means the cunningness. Uh, I always like that when I'm doing stuff like this. I like to uh, make y'all think a little bit. I always say, Wiley Coyote. Uh, Mr. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Mr. Wiley wasn't always quite as wily as he thought he was. Uh, but uh, uh, he says, uh, you know, we're to be on guard against the wiles or the cunningness of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, we get the idea a lot of times that everything's about what, what you can see. It's not always about what you can see. There's things going on in the spiritual realm a lot of times behind that we don't even have a clue about. I, I, I've told this a few weeks ago, I think, in talking about this, but you know, I remember in the uh, eh, maybe the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel, could be nine, but I think it's, I think it's in seven, uh, where he's praying. Uh, and he's praying for deliverance uh, for, uh, for his people down there. And finally, the angel of the Lord shows up down there to talk to him. And, he, and the angel of the Lord, the, uh, the one that comes to him, the messenger from God that comes to Daniel, tells him, I've been delayed for three weeks battling against the angel 
of, of, uh, of Persia. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, what, he's ta- what he begins to talk about there is the fact there was a spiritual battle going on behind the scene Daniel didn't have a clue about. Daniel was praying, 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 wondering, where's my answer? I'm praying. Uh, the angel informed him, we heard you the first day you began to pray. But he says, but we were kind of tied up. <laughs> he said, well, surely uh, God, uh, God doesn't get busy. Well, there's sometimes, I'll tell you, the spiritual things, there's things going on that might be more important than just the prayer that you're praying. All right? And so sometimes we need to recognize that, yes, he hears our prayer, but maybe there's something going on. Uh, uh, that uh, Does he have all power, all authority? Well, of course he does. Uh, but uh, sometimes he might make you wait for whatever reasons. Uh, and uh, you might not know and might not understand. But anyway, so he says, uh, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, uh, but against what? Principalities. Uh, authorities. <laughs> rulers. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, we, could, we could dive off into that. I'm not going to right now. Uh, but uh, if you think about the fact there are spirit, there's spiritual wickedness and demons and powers out there, if you don't think that uh, the, the fact that the Bible tells us that, say, that uh, in Isaiah chapter 14 uh, that uh, he observed Satan like a star falling from the sky uh, cast down my friends if you don't believe that or if you don't believe that the uh, uh, that the old dragon drew a third of the stars of the sky uh, he wasn't talking about the stars that are out here in this sky uh, that he drew down with the, with his tail and uh, in his rebellion so uh, there's things out there you need to understand there's a spiritual world going on out there there are people that are bowing down to spiritual powers and authorities that are not God. You say, you say, well, Brother uh, Charles, I understand there's other religions out there. I'm telling you, I'm talking about possibly the powers behind those religions. Uh, if uh, if God, my friends, uh, uh, if 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 He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, uh, and all the Lords out there are just figments of mine, your imagination that there's something wrong with what, what the Word of God is t- telling us there. There are spiritual powers out there. Paul gives us a glimpse of it right here when he tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I believe he's talking about the fact that sometimes our governments are in the, and our world rulers are, are influenced by powers that are not God, okay? Uh, and it's not all just uh, uh, the devil himself. Uh, there's, a thaw- there's spiritual powers out there, just like you've got Michael on one hand that's talked about in the Scriptures. There's, other th- other, uh, there's the other side of the coin, if you will out there and the things that they're working. So he tells us, be on guard. Uh, He's already told us over there, the night is far spent. You're you're smart enough and you're informed enough to know there's people out there and spiritual powers out there working. Why do you think James would say, uh, if we turn over to the book of James, uh, and he'd tell us uh, to be careful what spirit is leading us, right? Uh, be, Be desiring of the spirit of God, but be careful what spirit is out there and leading you and guiding you and directing you. And Paul says the same thing. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. In Romans, we just read uh, where he says, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now then, Paul tells us over here in the Ephesian letter, uh, wherefore take unto you because there are spiritual powers, principalities, powers 
uh, the, uh, the rulers of darkness of this world and so forth, the wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Don't lay down, don't sleep. Stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. You think about this, and of course Paul is laying out what we would go back and look at. He's laying this armor out like it was a Roman suit of armor. Uh, and he, first of all, he's saying, you've got something around you here, around your midsection. He says, You're, you ought to be girt about with truth. You know what? Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You, you lose that truth. You lose that truth girt about you. My friends, you, you, you think there's another way? that you can get there, another power, another authority, another ability besides Jesus Christ the Lord, you've lost the truth and you've lost the protection that comes from that truth. And I tell you, uh, you know, he goes on, he's going to talk about having a, a, the helmet of salvation and so forth, a protection for our minds. But think about, you need to be girt about with truth. Uh, you need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. He's not talking about self-righteousness, by the way. I believe he's talking about the righteousness that we have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is to be our breastplate. It protects us. It protects us from the evil. We, you wondering, how, I, how am I going to endure the evil that's out here in this world? I, you know, I'm, I prayed... You know, a lot, there's a lot of things. I pray that things that y'all don't even know I'm praying about a lot of times. But 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 I've been struck in recent months and, and over the last year. And and my wife can tell you that sometimes in our prayers, I'm praying for us and the church and our family. You know what my one of my prayers is? I'm praying that God would protect you from the evil of this world. There's evil influences out there that want to drag you down, that want to affect your mind and your heart and your spirit. And I, my prayer is protect these people from the evil that's out there. We've, we've got so much deception, so much uh, lies, and so much uh, attack going on. We need to be girt, our, we need to be girt about <clears throat> with truth. <clears throat> uh, God's truth, God's word. <clears throat> you won't be deceived. You won't be deceived by a lot of the things that, and I know this, you know, I don't want to get off in political things, and but but there's things that our laws and commands and things that are issued a lot of times that are that are out there that if you're girt about with the truth, you won't be deceived by that. That oh well, okay, it's okay. The government said it was all right to do this. It's all right to go down this uh, down this path. No, don't don't be deceived by what's going on out there. Have yourself girt about with truth. All right. If he's the truth, if his word's the truth, then, you know, you can recognize what's going on. You don't have to be out there attacking it out there like some people think you do or whatever, but, but you'll at least not be deceived and your family will not be deceived. That's important. That's how God holds us. For, our church won't be deceived. Well, that's important in our service to God. So he says, take, take there the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, our, our gospel is not always to be at war with everything. 
Uh, you know what we're to be? We're to be at peace. Uh, we're to have our, our walk. You think about the, the, our feet shod. That's our walk with the gospel of peace. We're not to be walking through. And you know, you, Brother Ronald's heard this. Probably all of you have heard this. But I know people used to talk about folks that we work with. Say, He's like a bull in a china shop. Well, you know, he was. Uh, a lot of times that was the truth. You know, it was like turning the bull loose in the china shop to have this guy come into your power plant or your organization. I mean, you know, it would just bust everything up, tear everything down. But, he, you know, that get, so get that picture in your mind of taking, a, taking an old mean bull and turning him loose into your finest china shop world and what, would, what that would look like. Now get, the, now get the picture of how God tells us in our armor we're to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, we're to, pre we're to preach uh, deliverance for God's people. Boy, I'm telling you what, if we, if where we go, what we do, uh, our, our gospel shouldn't be, uh, you know, the, the, the apostles, the Bible says about them in the book of Acts, these men that turn the world upside down, they're, they're bringing forth of the gospel was so different uh, so transformative. Our gospel today ought to be the gospel of peace, my friends, in uh, in in the fact that we're not out here uh, advocating violence and all this kind of stuff. We're advocating deliverance by by people applying the principles of Jesus Christ to their life. What is that? Love one another. Love your neighbor. Love your wife. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't this wouldn't this county be different? Wouldn't wouldn't the school system be different? If you had mamas and daddies and parents and husbands and wives and children loving one another, <laughs> homes would be different. Entire communities would be different. And if we were, if we were putting on the, uh, the whole armor of God, and then drugs wouldn't be so rampant and destroying so many homes. And so you, you get what I'm saying? It, it's the gospel of peace, my friends, of preaching Jesus transforms, can transform a whole community if they put it in practice. <laughs> Believe it. Live it. Put it in practice in our lives. So he says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Well, I'm telling you what, when you're going out, well, let me read the rest of that because if you don't, you kind of miss it. So above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. You know how you go into battle? Having faith and trust in God. Every, every arrow they shoot at you, you say, well, I'm just trusting God. I'm, you, know, uh, you know, you say, well, boy, that arrow, that arrow got, got through and, and actually stung me a little bit. Don't let it sting you so bad. The fiery darts of the wicked, the accusations that they say, the charges they make against me and you. Uh, you know, today, a lot of people that believe like you and I believe, not only doctrinally, but just the basic living, <laughs> how you live, how you're to do you know, people make fun of that. Don't get offended. Put on the put on the shield of faith and take all the fiery darts they want to charge at charge at you and throw at you and say, you know what? I'm not concerned about your opinion about things. Your opinion is not as good as my God's opinion of things and how I conduct my household and my family. It's more important that I please Him than I please all of you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not concerned. You know, when we get into that. We get into this 14th chapter, he begins to talk about 
And we're not going to get there today. I can see that. But, uh, the, you know, you get into that 14th chapter, he begins to talk about some of the issues that they were having there at the church. And he describes people there in the church. He said, you know, some people think you can eat meat. Some people think you can't. You don't, shouldn't eat meat. Uh, he says, the people that believe you shouldn't eat meat, he said, they're actually weak in the faith. Wow, really? Think about today. He said, and what he meant by that. They were, they were using the reason not to eat meat, not because they were today's modern vegetarians who are saying uh, this is the healthiest way to eat. They were eating that way because they thought it was a religious thing. And so they were using that religious thing of not eating meat, and then they were looking down on those that were eating meat. And, uh, and the people who were eating meat were saying, well, you know, we think it's okay. And then, so they were looking down on the ones that were, you know, was, so they were judging one another about their diets. And he says, listen, guys, we got more important stuff to be thinking about here. You need to not be looking at all that. So we'll get into that next week. Uh, so, but he, we start putting on the whole armor of God. We need to be not so concerned about men's opinions of things. That's where I was going with that. You know, men's opinions. A vegetarian diet is the best thing to do. Okay, well, so what? God's word says that uh, all things are clean. God made all things clean if we offer it up with prayer and thanksgiving. You know what? I'm going to take God's word rather than your word. Uh, that don't mean I need to eat a full diet of pork day and night uh, the rest of my life at every meal, even though I like it. Uh, it can clog up your arteries and give you heart problems, okay? So, I mean, you know, you do, there, all of this comes with a little bit of sense, right? And judgment and listening to what God's word actually says. So he says, <coughs> take on the shield of faith where you which should be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, you, you know what the you know the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That don't mean I need to be going around trying to use the Word of God to cut you down every time I get a chance. Okay, but it is a weapon for my defense. That's how I defend myself. Not only do I take the shield of faith and quench the fiery darts of Satan, you begin to question what, why I do, why I live the way I live, and why I believe the things I, I believe. I ought to be able to use the sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and say, you know what? This is why we do it that way. This is why my family believes like, this is why we're against certain types of lifestyles and things that are out there. That's why I'm against because God's Word does says it's wrong. That's why I do it. It's not that I'm being, uh, uh, not even going to do it. <laughs> it's not because I'm being one of those phobics that are out there that people think about a lot of times. Uh, I have a phobia against that. or pho No, I've got a thing about following what the Word of God says. That's where my phobia is at. I believe in believing what Jesus Christ says as the Word of truth. So take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as you do all this, praying always with all prayer, and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. So as you go, he says, yeah, get, get up, put on the whole armor of God every morning, be, pre be prepared to go out and defend yourself and, and, and have the things on you that you need to defend yourself, but also pray. Pray, pray, pray as you go out there every day that God will watch over you and bless you and protect you. So we go back. Uh, 
The night is far spent. The day is at hand. The light is here. We got the word. We've got the Jesus Christ has come on the scene. Uh, we're not we're not looking for him to come one day. Oh uh, well, we are uh, in the second coming. But I'm saying that we're not like the Old Testament saints. We're saying uh, uh, our deliverer has come. The day is here. Uh, let us uh, therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people will, will kind of do something like this. Say, well, you know, I have started following after Jesus Christ, but you know what? I want to hang on just to a little bit of this worldly thought thinking that I've got over here, you know, and so I'll continue to, I'm trying to live. He says, don't make provision for the flesh. Don't store up goods that's going to keep that flesh inflamed uh, and excite you to do things that you shouldn't be doing. Serve God. Put on the whole armor. Walk in the, it's daytime. It's not nighttime anymore. Not for you. Uh, don't be walking in the darkness. Walk in the light. May God bless you uh, this week. Uh, we'll get over into that 14th chapter uh, next uh, ne <clears throat> next Sunday. Uh, uh, I think we've uh, kind of we've gotten through 13 and maybe uh, hashed it out pretty good to let you know that we have a responsibility to serve the laws and commandments that are, uh, that are that have been given to us. Government is given for a good reason. Let us. Let us honor that. Let us pay our taxes. And let us at the same time continue to serve God and pray that we'll be able to do that with freedom while we live here. May God bless you is our prayer.